Central Indiana. It is the first day show on 93 WIBC. I'm Terry Stacy along with Denny Paul Smith. I'm going to sneeze. Look at the I'm light. going to sneeze. Look at the light. Look at the Just light. turn your mic off for it, Denny. <laughs> Wait, isn't that what they say when you die? Look at the light. Yeah, look at the light. Ah, it's just a sneeze. I think somebody once told me that that's um, your, like your, like your heart stops when you sneeze. Now, that's a wife's tale, I'm sure. I didn't get that from a doctor. Let's go on to Kylan. Kylan Talley's here. <laughs> Good morning. I am not going to sneeze or hopefully die within this time, but <laughs> I do want to say a few things. The little post for our Facebook page is up at First Day with Terry Stacy. Thank you to everybody who's following along. And then also thank you to those who are heading over to the podcast to check out anything that you missed. You can find that at WIBC.com and on all of your platforms for streaming. Thank, Thank you, Kylan. Thank you for doing that. Our next, our our Facebook follower of the day is Mike Davis. Thanks, Mike, Yay! for following along. Hey, Mike, Michael. Mike, Mike. Thanks for listening. Go buddy. follow and engage, and hopefully you can be the next shout-out. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Uh, I know the news is tough. It has been a tough week. I like to take a break on Sundays from it all, and uh, we will continue to update you on everything that is happening in the world, which is a very dangerous place, but we will keep you updated, and we've also got Fox News at uh, 1 o'clock for you today. Uh, it is October 15th. Our 3-2 and two Colts take on the 3-2 and two Jags in Jacksonville, tied for the AFC South lead. 1 o'clock kickoff. Indianapolis has lost eight consecutive road games to the Jags. Ow. A curse that we have to break. It is a curse. And according to Danielle Boudou Fortune, <laughs> Lemon Bomb. <laughs> Where do you come up with these? All of the Colts need to have on their mouth. you got to get rid of Google. Go to it's Duck, Lemon Go. Bomb. Oh, my gosh. you got to pull it up from the root. you got to steep it in boiling water. you got to add locust wings, Throw a little salt, and dried bones of hummingbirds. Whip it around your head three times and say, hallelujah. Oh, my gosh. Terry... Drink it and then go out there and win and break the curse. Oh, wait a minute. We can't be drinking that. No, no, no. Only the Colts. Oh. They have to break the curse. All right. Anyway. Kylan, you can jump in here anytime. You're the one that's the witch on the weekends. Hey, no. Leave me alone. I'm just Our a good witch. witch. Our little witch. Good witch. Um, I want to say a WIBC listener came up to me and he said, are you Wisp? Oh, it's I Zubu? sure am. How did you know? Did a little birdie tell you? He said, I think I heard you on the radio. Yeah, Aww, orange hair. The orange hair over. gives you away. <laughs> it's so fun. It was very Yeah, sweet. Zubu continues. She's also been consumed with Heartland Film Festival. And uh, we're going to hear from Kylan here in just uh, a few minutes. Uh, she's got some great clips for you. And also, Denny has also got a great event that is happening today. And we'll tell you more about that, too. So this is going to be a shorter break. Uh, it is National I Love Lucy Day. And I know that many of you may be too too young to know who Lucy Lucille Ball was. Yep. But she was really one of my favorites. I still watch I Love Lucy every day when I want to get away from the news. And uh, I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy, an American sitcom. Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz. I Love Lucy, the most watched show in the United States. Uh, and if you ever get a chance, if you really are an, uh, a Lucille Ball fan, you need to go to Jamestown, New York, <laughs> which I did. I dragged my husband. We went to Jamestown, What's New York. What's in Jamestown? That's where Lucy was born. So you do the the Lucy tour, and you go to the the, the museum. Um, you go to her birth home. You go to the Lucille Ball little theater, 
and then you can't leave without going to the cemetery where she's buried. That's pretty cool. So it is really a full she day. She was a lot of fun. It's she, a full day. You know, Ricky Ricardo, you know. Yeah. The, Ricky the, Ricardo, the love of her life, Desi Arnaz, uh, even though they were divorced, uh, the Kyle Wells, who used to work here, gave me this uh, years ago because he knew how much I loved Lucy. And and here's a beautiful picture because she was a beautiful woman. Oh, yes, she, she was. She was a really beautiful she woman. She was an actress Kyle, did you know before Lucy she did Ball? I've seen that always television. on your desk and... Now yeah. I know. Here's the thing, Kai. She was a great businesswoman. She took Smart. that series and she was not ruthless, but she was very, very shrewd and it made her a billionaire. It was, uh, the, the program itself created a new television experience with the first filmed and scripted program performed before a live audience. First one to ever show a pregnant woman on air. Yeah, uh, that's right. Little that's Rachel. right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Even and, though they were self, slept in separate beds. <laughs> uh, but this all this this uh, picture that he he gave to me it says in a world full of Kardashians be a Lucy, and that's that's my thing. You know this is great, and I love that, and uh, I love Lucy. So it is National I Love Lucy Day. Take the Lucy Town driving tour if you need to, or if you want to. It's a great little trip. It is eleven eleven, and we are going to take a quick break because we got to get to a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, after that, you're listening to the first day. Thanks for joining us this morning. 93 WIBC. It's 1116. It's not. It's a I love Lucy day. I'm Terry Stacy, along with Denny Smith, and Kylan Talley is here, too. Kylan, you working at Heartland today? I am. I've been so thankful to be one of their theater hosts and moderators, so I get to help with the Q&As. If you've been to any of the films recently, then you might have seen me hopping around the theaters, doing some of the Q&As with the filmmakers. It's been a really fun time. And so not only is it I Love Lucy Day, but it's also the last day for Heartland Film Festival. Last day to get in all of your screenings before it's gone. You can also watch it virtually at heartlandfilm.org. That's where you'll find all of the festival schedule and the lineup. I'm going to the Toby today. Yes, you are for I'll be Nancy there for Noel's. you for Nancy Noel. Portrait of Nancy. There's some tickets left. It's a cold Sunday, mm-hmm. so there's some seats available. But it hasn't been that way for the uh-uh. whole festival. Sold out. We've had quite a few Indiana films and Indiana spotlights that have had sold out crowds. And so today is probably the last day where you do have some seats left and you can go watch those films that you haven't been able to see. So like Terry mentioned, Art and Soul will be at 2.30 at the Toby Theater. That's at Newfields. And then another Indiana Spotlight that's being featured today, it's in just a little bit at 11.30, is Hellcat at the Living Room Theaters. You still have a little bit of time to run over there. Here's a little bit. I got to talk with the filmmakers on the red carpet, Jack Luger and his wife and the cinematographer, about the film. So here's a little bit of that conversation with them. Hellcat's about um, an aging rock star who's had pretty good fame, um, but he's in his 50s now, but really the story's around uh, the process of he lost his son, uh, he passed away, and so in that trial, he really kind of abandoned everything and abandoned his town and his family, and so the story picks up when he comes back to town after being gone for so long, and people have all moved on, but now he's coming back trying to really figure out what he's supposed to be doing, where he's supposed to be, and really thinks maybe that's the end of his life uh, until he meets a young man who kind of opens up new opportunities for him to really see that there maybe is more to what life has for him, and so so that that's follows his story and struggle through that process. What would you like your audience to take away from this film, Hellcat? 
I think one of encouragement. It's a film of redemption, and so if they can take away um, just that contemplating the, um, the redemption aspect, I think that's a great thing to take away. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about don't lose hope. Right, that there's there are other answers, and sometimes we get so tunnel tunnel vision focused on one answer when there are other options and opportunities, and, and so that's what you know. Hopefully, people see that and see that aspect of uh, redemption. So then, for you, what did it mean working on a film like this as the cinematographer? So uh, this was my first feature film that I ever got to shot, so that was really cool. Um, I learned a lot because um, I had never done it before, so that was fun, um, and it was hard, but it was fun. That last voice you heard was the cinematographer for the film, Jonathan Williams, who is a student at Anderson University, which are both the two directors and producers of the film are Anderson professors. So they got to work with some of the students and help them have their first feature film. So thank you again, Jack Luger, the director and producer, and then Elizabeth Luger, the executive producer, for helping and then also being able to go through the red carpet with me. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And all of these films that we've mentioned so far do have Q&As after the screening. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great opportunity to meet with the filmmakers and talk to them about their film and get to know them. So Nancy Noel's at 2.30. Go and check that out. And then this one, if you head over to the Living Room Theaters right now, you can probably still make it for their 11.30 screening. Such a cool venue. It is Oh my gosh, that's really one of my favorite venues. It is to see a movie, so nice. or and you get to eat popcorn out of real bowls. Uh-huh. <laughs> real bowls, and if you if you order food right there in the theater, they'll walk it into you yeah. during the movie. That's cool. It's, to them. I love it. I mean, I just love that place. It's, it's really comfortable. Cool. It's a great venue. Mm-hmm. And some also, awards last night, or I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just one other one to mention because I thought it was pretty cool last night um, was their first screening, their world premiere of this film, Jailhouse to Millhouse. Now, I don't know how much you watched this, The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Up. Yeah. Okay. So Millhouse is Bart Simpson's oh. best friend. <laughs> and I got to meet the voice actor for oh, that's cool. Millhouse. <laughs> she was there, Pamela Hayden. And so her, and along with the producers, uh, Buddy Farmer and Michael Gordon, the producer and cinematographer, they'll both be there for the Q&A also. And that's going to be at Noblesville. So if you're up there, Go to the Imagine Theaters at 2.45 for that screening. And then let's head over to the awards. Like you mentioned, last night was the awards celebration, and there's a ton going on. This is a big night for Heartland because not only are they giving out a lot of money, $60,000. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Whoa. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's for a, this is not, that's again, a ton of money. A, a top festival in the mm-hmm. world. Yep. Ranked one of the top 25 coolest film festivals in the world by Movie Maker Magazine as well. And so not only are they giving out a lot of money, but then some of these awards will be going on to be Oscar nominated, which is what we saw with our Indiana Spotlight, Mm -hmm. one of those short films. Um, So some things that I want to mention, you will get to be there be they'll be rescreening the film. Is that a proper term? They'll be rescreening the films for the documentary and the narrative winners at the living room theaters as well. And so you could go and watch some of those award winners. Um, the Indiana Spotlight, that one was liminal. The Indiana in the, it's a pretty much just a documentary about different areas around Indiana. So if you want to see a cool drone shot of pretty much all over Indiana, that one would be a good one to go to. And I think those are the ones that I wanted to mention for Excellent. you. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. You can find all of that, again, heartlandfilm.org.
Excellent. Thank I want to know Kyla. if you wore a red dress when you were doing the interview. <laughs> I wore a black dress. You wore a black dress. The theme is red and black, but yeah. I felt better wearing a black dress on the red carpet. There you go. Although it was good. a hard, it was a hard decision. Yeah. I was going back. This and is forth. such a great opportunity for Kylan because Kylan is a is a, a budding actress, and so she, when she gets that opportunity to be on the red carpet and meet directors and producers and uh, just filmmakers, I mean, it's it's a good opportunity for you. So I'm proud of mm-hmm. you that you you took a volunteer job with Harland. Man, even to the point of meeting some of the actors like Matthew Modine was there yep that was pretty cool he was in Stranger Things and so he even came and hung out with us during our opening night and it was just a really cool opportunity excellent Good job, Kylan. It is 11.22. And before we head into the newsroom at the bottom of the hour, Denny Smith also has an awesome event that's taking place today. October is a great time of year with lots of exciting fall opportunities. And right after we sign off here on the first day, there's a really fun event taking place from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock this afternoon. And joining me now is Leanne Hoffman from Crown Hill Cemetery and Funeral Home to talk about the Community Graveyard Bash that's just about to get started. Leanne, thanks for taking time to share some time with us here. Yeah, Denny, thank you so much for having me. Leon, every funeral director I know has such a great perspective on life, and you wouldn't expect it, but you certainly to be seem to be that way too. So, what do you think <laughs> right now? Is there a better place to enjoy the fun of Halloween than at Crown Hill Cemetery and Funeral Home? I think it's a great place to have fun. Unless something different would be like Bates Motel or Waverly Hills, this is the place to be, and it's going to be so fun. What all do you have planned there? What's going on? Yeah, we've got a spooky hayride that's going to be taken on a tractor with the kids and their parents through the cemetery, actually, to one of our really cool old chapels and kind of see just all the really cool people that we have here. So those rides are going to be running the entire time. We've got pumpkin carving stations. We have costume contests. Uh, one of our, all our ground crew is going to be here. Um, Chad Mitchell, he's going to be our clown for the day, and he's doing balloon animals for all of the kids. And then, of course, just trunk or treating. So we've got lots of candy, lots of toys and prizes to give out to all the kids coming our way. Just how big is Crown Hill Cemetery, Leanne? This place is 555 acres, if you could believe it. Wow, that's yeah. that's huge, and it goes all the way north, like almost to 42nd Street, and all it the does. way all the way south to 29th Street. It's been there. How old is it? Our first burial was 1864. That was a little bit before my time, Leanne. <laughs> Me too. You know, Leanne, Crown Hill has these regular events throughout the year, but this one seems to capture a bit more fun than some of the others. What all do you guys have planned there for adults and kids? Is there a separation between the plans you have for them? Kind of, kind of not. We've got, of course, we're going to have some snacks for everyone, too. We're going to kind of grill out, have some cider, have some fun for the parents. We've got face painting for the kids. I think the parents are going to more enjoy the spooky ride, the hay ride through the cemetery. But just kind of all hanging out and enjoying seeing all the costumes. We definitely want everybody to dress up for us and have a costume contest for the kids. So just kind of hanging out with us, enjoying the day. That voice you hear is Leanne Hoffman from Crown Hill Cemetery and Funeral Home. They've got a big bash going on. And is there an age limit of any kind? Is there a charge to attend? No, it's a completely free event and it's open to everyone. Kids of all ages, adults of all ages, anyone is welcome. Completely free event for our community. Leanne, will all the events of the Graveyard Bash be outside in one location? Yes, everything actually takes place in our parking lot at the main building of Clarendon and 38th Street. So just up here in the funeral home parking lot is where everything is taking place. 
Sounds like a lot of fun. Facilities for everybody? Yes, we're going to have the doors open if anybody needs to use the facilities or just kind of take a minute if it gets too chilly. We're going to have our reception area open so people can come in and hang out as well. Is there anything else you want to share, Leanne? I just want to welcome everyone to come out and hang with us and enjoy the day with us. And that is right after our show at 1 o'clock up at Crown Hill. Take advantage of it. we got a lot of nice, nice, fun people up there who are in the funeral business, but they're a stitch. I mean, you talk about people who enjoy life, you know. Uh, Leanne, right. uh, my buddy Chris Hensley is the groundskeeper out there, but they're, you know, Chris is just a grave digger, but he has just got this joie de vivre that is just wonderful. And they're, they're, I wish they're I putting had the this. Joie de you know, but it's free. You know, you can dress up as an adult, you can dress I up as a kid. I think it's great. Yeah, did you see, hear me ask about the facilities? Right. They're going to open it up because everybody's got to go, you know. <laughs> it's a three-hour thing, you know. But they got hay rides. It's, it's going to be fun. At the cemetery. At the cemetery. And one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the world at Crown Hill Cemetery. Again, that begins at 1 o'clock today. If All you right. want to have more of that information on a little poster, I have the poster posted at the Facebook post, First Day with Terry Stacy on Facebook. That has all the information, one to four. It has the features, all of the different events, where to go, all Face of it right painting, there. They got a DJ going to yep. be there lighting mm-hmm. the place Trick up. It, it ought to be fun. It's, it it's be a fun. lot, but go to First Day with Terry Stacy for that poster. 53 degrees, and we've got a little sunshine peeking through now on Monument Circle. And uh, I'm Terry Stacy, along with Denny Smith, Kylan Talley as well. Your time is almost up to enter the Tom Wood Talent Search for your chance to perform at the 61st Downtown Indie Inc. Circle of Lights, presented by IBEW 481. you got to get your uh, submit your audition video by the end of today. And if you're still thinking, well, maybe I will, do it, because you, you're running out of time. You get end of today. Simply go to WTHR.com to apply. Get it out is, your ukulele and tune it up. I got a ukulele. Did you got a ukulele? Yeah. Kylan can play the ukulele. You ukulele. You can play if, the uke. Only if you'll sing. And I'll sing. Perfect. Oh, Denny, uh, you can do the harmonica. I'll, I'll tap my toe. <laughs> it is 1128. We'll take a break. You're listening to the first day on 93 WIBC. Ninety-three WIBC and Network Indiana. It is Terry Stacy. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and Bo Rayleigh and I were talking about the number of people we know that have been diagnosed with cancer this year alone. And for the first time, a more toxic type of forever chemical linked to cancer and infertility has been detected at high levels in United States homes. In fact, right here in Indiana, in this new study, researchers at Emory University, Georgia, tested three hundred samples from 80 homes here in our state. And joining us now, author of the study, Assistant Professor Stephanie Ike, and corresponding author, Assistant Professor Amina Salamova, both from the Gangarosa Department of Environmental Health, Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University. I'm so glad that, that you two would share some of your time with us. Professor Ike, I'll start with you. Regulators started to crack down on PFAS in the early 2000s. So for some of us, tell me too, including what is a PFAS? A PFAS or a PFAS, as we call them, they're man-made chemicals that are um, widely used in some consumer products. 
that they, what makes them useful is that they're chemicals that have a carbon bond, which essentially means that they make things that are water resistant. They're in, they're in consumer products that are water resistant. So when you say consumer products, that means, I mean, everything that I saw in this story I read, it's pizza boxes, it's, it's plumber's tape, furniture, it's in everything, right? It feels like. Yes, there's PFAS that have been detected in, in cookware and pizza boxes, things like that. Um, and although they are widely detected, I think that there are a lot of ways that consumers can reduce their exposures. So I I don't want to make this sound as though that this is something that is um, um, problematic for, for everybody. It is definitely a public health problem, but I don't want it to sound that... Um, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Okay. Once in the early 2000s, as we mentioned, they cracked down, but companies didn't eliminate this forever chemical altogether, right? Correct. So there must be some levels that are okay, but other forever chemo- chemicals that are not acceptable at all? Um, I would say from what we know, it doesn't seem that there's really a, a safe level of many of these chemicals that on the population level, um, and what I mean by that is, Studies that are representative of all individuals in the U.S. do find that nearly everyone has detectable levels of at least a few different of these PFAS chemicals. So they are widely prevalent. Okay. Professor Salamova, who is an environmental chemist, this study collected samples from 80 homes in Indiana. What did you sample? We sampled all over Indiana. We sampled um, indoor dust and uh, people's uh, tap water, and we also collected blood and urine samples from the residents of those homes. To see what, what their bodies had, had ingested or absorbed? Yes, absolutely. We wanted to look at the relationship before, between the levels in the indoor environment and in water, and also what eventually ends up in the bodies uh, of the residents of the homes to basically identify major exposure pathways. The forever chemicals, Professor Salamova, I understand they're so small, so tiny, they're just easily absorbed through our skin. Is that correct? Well, we can't really say this about all of the forever chemicals. Um, This is a huge group of compounds. Um, Right now, we think that it includes thousands and thousands of compounds. And they have um, very, they vary in size and and structure. Some of them are fairly small. Um, They are very um, mobile and very water uh, water soluble. So that's why we get such buildup in the water and uh, in, um, in blood. In human bodies. Okay. So what did you find in the samples? Yes, I can I, I speak a little bit about what we've done in the study in terms of lab analysis. So what we've done, we've uh, analyzed the sample for an extended uh, list of PFAS, which included about uh, 47 different PFAS compounds. Um, and we analyzed the samples we've collected in uh, indoor dust and water, and uh, as I mentioned before, blood and urine. Um, what was interesting we found in the study is that in addition to the legacy PFAS, which has been studied for uh, quite a long time, so I mean the C8 legacy compounds, P4 and P4, uh, we also found uh, emerging PFAS, uh, which have shorter uh, chains or shorter or smaller molecular size or shorter carbon chain, um, and they have only two or three carbons. 
um, in their structure. Uh, so that was the most surprising findings in the study. We found the levels of this ultra-short chain PFAS, that's how they're called, um, at the levels exceeding uh, or comparable to the levels of the well-studied legacy PFAS. Assistant Professor Stephanie Ike is also here. These PFAS, as you said, have already been linked to lots of health problems. Can you explain to us what these forever chemicals have been linked to in regards to health? Yes, absolutely. We've seen that forever chemicals or these legacy PFAS that Dr. Salamova was just mentioning are linked to certain types of cancer. We've also seen that they're linked to infertility, um, adverse pregnancy outcomes such as preterm birth, um, low birth weight. We've also seen that um, PFAS, legacy PFAS, are linked to high cholesterol and diabetes. So what happens next? What are you what happens with this this research now? And what should we do? Are there things we need to eliminate in our homes or Yeah, I think for the next steps something that we can do individually is change some of our consumer products. So maybe think about um, how much meat we're eating because PFAS are really something that has accumulated in the food chain. So maybe limiting um, the amount of meat that we're eating in our diets, the things eating more fruits and vegetables. There is also some preliminary studies that show that exercise could be one way to uh, um, get rid of PFAS in the body. Um, and we can also just change some of our consumer products. A lot of things now are labeled PFAS-free. Mm. Um, for example, I'm a big shopper at Target, and I'm constantly seeing things now in the stores that are labeled PFAS-free on the box. And there's also the Target Clean line, which is um, very free of PFAS. So those are things on the population, uh, individual things that we can do. But really, with respect to these ultra-short and short-chain PFAS that we found that were highly detected in our study, we really need to do more work to understand if these new emerging PFAS have similar health effects. That right now we're just showing that we can detect them in humans and in dust samples, but we don't really know if they have the same um, they're linked to the same health outcomes that I was mentioning before. That's that's really the next step. I can add that that was interesting in our study. We found that um, the homes that um, didn't have any carpet and the homes that cleaned more often had lower levels of PFAS in dust. So I think that definitely contributes contributes to PFAS exposure in homes. So um, maybe cleaning more often, trying to replace the carpet um, with other types of flooring uh, would also help to in reducing PFAS exposure. I also think now that we have um, enough data on PFAS from the research that we've done that um, the government is starting to think about taking some action on regulating PFAS. EPA has been talking about this. And so I think really we can try to advocate for EPA to regulate some of these chemicals more broadly instead of regulating just a few in drinking water. Think about regulating them as a chemical class. Assistant Professor Stephanie Ike, also Assistant Professor Amina Salamova, both from the Gangarosa Department of Environmental Health, Rollins School of Public Health, Emory University, uh, and Atlanta, Georgia. And they were both um, researchers on this particular study, authors of this particular study that just came out. Thank you both so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And it's 1144. I just think this is such an interesting topic because... It scares me to death. There's so much cancer out there, and you do wonder, it's our environment, is it, well, you know, the food we eat, the what, what's out there? We don't know, I, we don't know, but I can say that from when I was a kid, and cancer was not in our vocabulary. It wasn't anything that was for older people. It was um, something perhaps hereditary. But then the older I got, of course, I didn't know I was young, but the older I'm getting, I'm seeing that diagnosis with children on up. And so something, something's going on, right? I think, I don't know. I don't know, but I thought this was an interesting topic. There's a whole question between like organic versus regular foods. Well, and even to the point candy is even being questioned with what they're adding into that. Skittles was under fire this week because supposedly California had passed a ban, uh, passed a bill trying to ban some additives in Skittles. While they're not banning Skittles per se, it was some different ingredients that could have been found in Skittles. So like the Yikes. four ingredients in that bill, brominated vegetable oil, potassium brom- bromate, propyl ba- paraben? Yeah, <laughs> Somebody propyl said if paraben. you can't pronounce what's in it, you don't need to eat it. And red <laughs> dye number three. That sounds like it's on the far right of the uh, of the periodic table, the, the bromides one, and all those. Yeah. Red dye number three, I, we have Noah here who's shadowing and just observing the show. Noah had mentioned that this is used in kerosene. Or cr- no. Yikes. Certain red dyes are used in kerosene. It may not specifically be number three, but oh, kerosene man. is not naturally oh, red. Oh, man. It's oh, man. I thought it was thing. interesting that the Russian lady was looking for the metabolites. She was checking your urine, your blood. She was probably taking skin samples or swabs inside your cheek. I mean, they're looking to see where all the heck this yeah, stuff is. Yeah, where it well, is. Jesse Gabriel, he was one of the people who helped pass this legislation in and California. introduced it. Yep. This is Assembly Bill 418, so AB 418. And he said the idea here is for these companies to make minor modifications to their recipes so that these products don't include these dangerous and toxic chemicals. So he doesn't want to go specifically after the products, but the recognizes the chemicals. Yeah. And this bill won't go into effect until 2027. They just need to get it out of there. Yeah. Do the right thing. Get you it out of there. Get that stuff out of you there. You would recognize Jesse Gabriel. Gabriel, he's the one with six fingers and toes. <laughs> yeah, so he's serious, you know. Oh gosh. It is uh, eleven forty-seven. Coming up, we've got oh Denny investing sense. I'm trying not to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm going to be telling you the truth. That's what we want, and yeah. that's next on ninety-three WIBC. I think so too. The lyrics to this song: Here I am in my blue costume, sitting in a trash can. And uh, yeah, Kai, you want to talk about that? You know, Denny's about to celebrate National Grouch Day. National Grouch Day. Everybody always asks you, you know, if you could have lunch with anybody, who would you have lunch with? Oh, who would it be? Well, it would probably be Matt Will or Mike Hicks, the two local economists here. Everybody would say, well, I'd rather have lunch with Alan Greenspan or Janet Yellen. No. These people are deceiving us about what the real tragedy in front of us is about our finances. Uh, treasury bills, the 10-year the treasury is the benchmark for most of our interest rates. And currently, if you bought a $1,000 treasury bond, you'd get $47 a year or 4.7%. Now, just three years ago, 
those 10-year treasuries, you would get $10 Ooh. for a whole year. So they were at 1%. Now they're at 4.7%. So if you were a bank and you bought up all these 10-year treasuries and you were getting 1% and you've kept them in your in your balance sheet all this time, now all of a sudden those things are, you're taking 40 and 50 and 60% losses on your balance sheet. And so where you think you've got a lot of money, you really don't. Think about this. If you've got a bond that will pay you $10 a year or a bond that will pay you $47 a year, which one are you going to buy? We're gonna, the, the one that's going to make you the most. The most. So what they do then is the one that's only paying $10, they discount that. So instead of being worth $1,000, it may be worth $300. And somebody's absorbing all these losses. Now, why do you say, Denny Paul, why is this, a, why is this an issue? Somebody has to absorb that, that loss. And it is being hidden from us in that th- these are trillions and trillions of dollars. Hidden from us. Hidden from us. Let me give you a rough idea. Currently, the deficit is $33 t- trillion. At 4.7%, that means that the United States of America is going to pay $1.5 trillion a year in interest payments. No, not repaying anything. Now, to, to give you an idea of how much that is, that's more than what we pay in Medicare right now and Social mm. Security. That's more than what we are, are paying by the, for the uh, military by two. So somebody's got to absorb these losses. And people are asking me, Denny, what does this mean? It means that the day of reckoning is coming. First thing I said Uh-oh. to Noah and Kylin, as I said, kids, you watch these next 60 days. They're going to be the most tumultuous 60 days of your lives financially. We are going to see things. And I'm not trying what to scare anybody. What do you mean? Anybody. Like what? Well, what will we th- see maybe? There is a day of reckoning coming. Somebody has to absorb these losses. The United States of America isn't trying to stop spending. So they're just going to add to this debt. They say by, that by 33, that the national debt will be $57 trillion. You know, that means that we're going to be paying $2 trillion in interest. So the day of reckoning is coming. And uh, what is taking place in the United States Congress right now is they're trying to get all of these spending bills to vote on them one by one. They don't want an omnibus spending bill. They just want one. And I'm going to warn you now, the best thing you can do is to try to get out of debt. Because when, when this bubble pops, and it may happen in the next 60 days, it may happen in 90 days, but I can guarantee you that I can see that it's going to happen. And you know, that the bubble is going to pop. The, the bubble will probably pop. And, you know, now we've got the war over in the Middle right. East and the Levant is on fire. We've got all this stuff that's going on. Something's going on, folks. I know. It's and I'm the Oscar the Grouch and it's National Oscar no, the Grouch Day. The, the bubble's going to pop and it's the end of the world. No, I didn't Pretty say sure. that. I'm Harry, saying not that, you too. That, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that something has to give. They, they can't keep this baloney up forever. And Janet Yellen is just a bald-faced liar. I'm sorry. They, they're telling us everything's okay and we're going to have a soft landing. That's the biggest bunch of horse hockey I've ever heard in my life. This is why we have you here in the show. I am a licensed plumber, and I you, know how to pump it, pipe it, he, push it. There's no better yeah. than Denny Smith. They're a bunch of <laughs> liars, no Thanks Carrie for Lynn. being our grouch Thanks Denny. for being our grouch today, Denny. <laughs> but he's just telling us the truth. Here's the warning. It's a warning. Yeah, but gardening's coming up. Yep, we got good stuff coming up for you in the next hour. I'm glad you're here with us today. Today's top stories are coming up. The very latest that's happening in the Middle East, 93 WIBC.